Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Thank you, Stephen. Good morning. You know, I like what I feel here. This, this feels good. Does this feel good to you? <laughs> you know, God is so good. I, I love that, uh, that chorus we were singing. I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I want to tell you, I am in awe of Jesus. Whenever I talk to people about Jesus, I tell them, if you ever truly see Jesus, I mean the real Jesus, the first thing that will happen to you is your mouth will drop open <laughs> because you have never seen anyone like him. Anyway, how are you doing? How many have had a blessed week? How many are glad the holidays are over? How many are glad the Cowboys whipped up on the Eagles? <laughs> Ooh, how many How many don't care? <laughs> how many don't know who the Cowboys are? <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we are delighted to be here, delighted to see you and to, to be a part of the exciting thing that's happening here at uh, Passion Church. We had a wonderful time the last couple of days uh, with the couples and just saw God do some amazing things. Well, I'm ready to preach, but before I do, you need to hear from this lady right here, my beautiful bride of 44 years, prettier now than she was 44 years ago, and she was a knockout then. <laughs> They're thinking. Wow, how did she ever snag you? <laughs> well, good morning. It's wonderful to sense God's presence, his love, his grace. Do you know people who have been forgiven much worship the most passionately? I know that because I work among people who have been forgiven much. You've never seen a true worshiper until you've seen a crack addict that's been set free or an alcoholic that has been delivered or someone who has been addicted to pornography, that their heart has been set free and they can purely worship Jesus. I'm blessed to be a part of a ministry like that, and it's exciting to see them worship God. Once they get past the shame... And they can worship God. Now, a lot of us still live in shame. Maybe you've not been a crack addict. Maybe you've not been an alcoholic. But there is that sense of condemnation that just huddles over you. But God wants to set you free. And one of the ways God does that is when you worship him. When you worship him, you say, well, I'm going to wait till I get worthy so I can worship him. 
It's as you worship him that his cleansing grace just washes over you. And he declares that you belong to him. And he belongs to you. We're delighted to be able to just share with you and be here this weekend. God has certainly blessed us. And we say thank you for allowing us to be with you. Amen. Thank you. Can uh, I... I'm trying to get the PowerPoint to come up here. That doesn't look like it. Okay. While we're working on that, can I preach about my passion? Okay, you might as well say yes, because I'm going to anyway. I already asked uh, Pastor about that. Now, I'm a little nervous, you know, because I'm not used to starting preaching after 12 o'clock. So maybe I ought to ask you how long I can preach. Oh, lots of silence. <laughs> I was in a congregation one time, and I said, how long are you folks going to let me preach? And some smart aleck on the back seat said, stood up, and he said, preach as long as you want to, but lock the door when you leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I understood that. Listen, uh, as I get started here, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, why are you here? I mean, really, what what is your motivation for being here this morning? Some of you may say, well, that's a dumb question. It's Sunday morning. This is where I am every Sunday morning. And I say, praise God for the faithful people. Some of you may be here because you said, I genu genuinely wanted to come and worship the Lord this morning. Some may be here because a friend invited you or some may be here because you're looking for a word of hope. Could I tell you why I'm here? I am here because of these people right here. I'm not here representing myself or Mission Catalyst, really. I am representing these people. I want you to look at those faces because those are real people. Those are pictures that I have taken from what we call the unreached world. These, these are part of the two billion people who have never, ever heard what you have heard today even one time. Can you imagine that? Two billion that have never heard of Jesus some of these pictures are taken from Pakistan and from India, from Bangladesh and Nepal and Bhutan. But I'm here representing these people. I, I've got a couple of scriptures that I want to uh, begin with. One is the Ephesians 4, chapter 1. You're familiar with these, but look at what this is. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Everybody say calling. See, calling is interesting. Now, I was raised in church. I'm third generation IPHC on both sides of my family. 
So I've been in church all my life, and all of my life I have heard about the call of God. But for in, in the early days when I heard about the call of God, they were only talking about three categories of people. They were talking about pastors, evangelists, and missionaries. Those are the ones who are really called of God. But do you know when I began to read the Bible for myself, I found that that was not true. What I found was that every single believer is called by God. See, when Paul wrote this, he's not addressing pastors and evangelists and missionaries. He's writing to believers, all of the believers in the church at Ephesus. And he said, I want, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the call that is upon your life. So every single believer is called. Would you just say this now? I want everybody to say, I am called by God. Would you say it again? I am called by God. See, you just spoke the truth. And, and there's a sense in which that calling is individual Upon every person, there is another sense in which it is corporate. Not only is there a calling on individuals, but there's a calling on churches. And there's a calling on this church. And your pastors know what that calling is. God raises up churches to do something specific for him, and he certainly is doing that in Passion Church. Now, the other passage that I want to give is what we commonly call the Great Commission. Now, I know all of you know this, but just as a reminder, would you read this aloud with me, starting with therefore, everybody aloud, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. All right, now that's what we call the Great Commission. By the way, we do not call that the Great Suggestion. We don't call that the Good Idea. And do you know that this is the last thing Jesus said to us? Do you know that a person's last words are pretty important? How many know that? With your last words, you don't tell the latest joke you heard, or you don't even talk about Sooner football. With your last words, you talk about things that are really important. And I want to tell you that this was really important to Jesus. Now, look at that. What did he tell us to do there? All right, to go and do what? Make disciples, not just converts. He said, go make disciples, reach people, baptize them, teach them everything that I have taught you. But who did he tell us to disciple? Every nation. Now, everybody, what, what does the Bible mean when it talks about nations? See, when, 
When the Bible talks in this passage about a nation, it's not talking about a political nation like the United States or China or India. The word nations in the Bible literally means ethnic groups, people groups. Do you know the world is made up right now of more than 16,000 different people groups? These are people that have their own culture, their own history, their own language, and that's what Jesus told us to reach. And that is how we finish the Great Commission. Now, that's, uh, that's what we do. We, we go into the most dangerous parts of the world and train national pastors to reach people who have never heard. A uh, couple of years ago, I was in Bangladesh, up in the northeast area of Bangladesh, an area called Salet. Anybody here ever been to Bangladesh? Anybody know where Bangladesh is? Can you point it out on a map? Okay, let's pull the map up. Okay, can you tell me where Bangladesh is? Now, my, my pointer doesn't work very good, but if you can see India here in the gold, immediately to the right, that little country in the green is called Bangladesh. Now, pull, pull that other slide back up there. I was in an area where there are 4 million people and two churches. Hello? How many, how many people in Oklahoma City? Okay. Five. Greater Oklahoma City area might be a million. How many churches? A million. <laughs> oh, almost, uh, almost uncountable. But do you know, four million people, two churches, one, a nominal uh a Presbyterian church, and the other, a little Assemblies of God house church ministering to two million people. Most of these people in Bangladesh have never, ever heard the gospel. But do you know what happened there? We trained right in the middle of that area of Islamic terrorism, the area where, where I am had, uh, had, where I was had direct ties to the London bombings a few years ago, and right in the middle of that area of Islamic terrorism, we trained 110 church planters. You can see them right there. In the bottom, just a second, I'll let you, I'll let you applaud. But uh, at the bottom, you can see them interceding for the unreached people of Bangladesh. So we trained 110 pastors there, and at the close of the conference, we got signed commitments for the planting of 539 new house churches that will result in reaching more than 5,000 adults for Christ. Okay, now give Jesus a hand clap of praise. That's what we do. Go ahead and uh, advance to the next slide. We travel all over the world training these national pastors 
to, to plant churches and to reach those who have never heard. And our passion is to see the Great Commission finished. Pull up the next slide. Everybody say finished. I want to ask you something. Don't you think that 2,000 years ought to be long enough to have an assignment without finishing it? Can you say amen to that? 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us an assignment to go into all the world and make disciples of every people group on earth. Dr. Peter Wagner says, and I believe this, that for the first time in history, the church of Jesus Christ is positioned at a place that we can see the Great Commission finished. And I added in this generation, because I tell you, I believe we can finish it in this generation. Now that's my passion, to see the Great Commission finished in my lifetime. And that means we've got to get to work because next month I'm going to turn 65. I just filled out all of that Medicare stuff. It made me so mad I threw it across the room. <laughs> that means I'm turning 65. That means I only have 35 years of active ministry left. So we have got to get after it. I'm going to retire at age 100, and by that time, I want to see the Great Commission finished. I was in, uh, some time ago, I was in uh, western India in the state of Gujarat. Uh, we had planned a conference there, and as I came out of the airport terminal, the uh, local Indian pastor that was coordinating the conference met me, and he said, I can't believe you're here. And I said, why is that? I told you I was coming. He said, missionaries do not come to Gujarat. I said, why is that? He said, it's too dangerous. He said, I am a part of a denomination, and the leaders of my own denomination will not come to Gujarat. They come to India, uh, uh, to Delhi, the capital, and we have to go there to be trained. Some, somebody has to go to the areas where people have not heard. And the call of God compels us to go to places like that. Right in the middle of that area where Western missionaries will not go, we train 200 pastors and church planters. You can see them right there. And they gave signed commitments for the planting of 2,607 new house churches that will result in more than 20,000 people coming to Jesus. Come on, let's give him another hand clap of praise. See, that that's what I love to do. Now, I want to give you one other scripture, one that's kind of puzzled me. And this comes from Matthew 24, 14, or it has to do with something that has puzzled me. See, I was raised in church, and all of my life I heard that Jesus is coming again, 
And normally they would say, Jesus is coming very soon. We talk about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. Well, as a child, when I heard that very soon, I, I thought maybe that was next week or next month or certainly next year. He's coming soon. Do you know I have heard that now for 60 years? So what does that mean? Well, let me, let me give you an idea. Now, there is no question that Jesus is coming because he said he was, and he's a man of his word. And I can tell you, Jesus will return to this earth. But the question is, why hasn't he come back yet? Look at that verse, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached where? Where? In the whole world as a testimony to whom? To all nations. Now, what does the Bible mean by nations? People groups, ethnic groups. So look at this. In the world as a whole, there are 238 geopolitical nations. United States is one, Russia's one, India's one, Bangladesh. 238 political nations, but those 238 countries are made up of 16,351 separate people groups. Now, again, these are groups of people. They have their own culture, their own language. 9,710 of them have been reached for Christ. By that, we mean among these ethnic groups, there are lots of Christians, lots of churches, and it's easy for them to hear the gospel. But look at the bottom one. 6,641 people groups are unreached for Christ right now. Do you know that one of those people groups has a hundred million people in it? Do you know that almost every time your heart beats, somebody dies somewhere in the world that never heard the gospel even one time? And so the question is, what are we going to do about that? Now, now, back that up just a, uh, a moment. Let's go back to that verse, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what will happen? And then the end will come. You know, I think the word then is pretty important. And I want to suggest to you that maybe one reason Jesus has not returned as yet is because we haven't yet finished the job he gave us. Do you know when you read the back of the book, when you read the book of Revelation, it says that in heaven there will be people from every tribe and nation and language and people, and every time I read that, I say hallelujah 
because that lets me know that the Great Commission will be finished at some time and I want to be a part of it. Now, the majority of the people that have never heard the gospel live in this part of the world. They live in North Africa and the Middle East there that are primarily Muslim. They live in India and Nepal that are primarily Hindu. Southeast Asia and Japan that are primarily Buddhist and China which is primarily communist. About nearly two billion people live in that part of the world who have never heard the gospel and get this what percentage of the world's missionaries would you think are working there now we've got two billion that have never heard even one time what percentage of the world's missionaries are working there three percent that means 97% of all missionaries are working among people groups that have already been reached for Christ. Now, if we're going to finish the Great Commission, we have got to concentrate on that part of the world. Now, how do we do this? How do we see the Great Commission finished in this generation? In my opinion, there is one big answer to that, and that answer is training nationals. Everybody say training nationals. See, I think that is the key because these national pastors and missionaries can plant churches more efficiently, more economically, and more quickly than we can. That's the reason I spend my time training these national workers. In the last eight years, we have trained now more than 30,000 national pastors in the 1040 window. Pull up the next slide there. I want to just introduce you quickly to a few of these, and I'm going to wind this down. Look at the guy in the middle. His name is Pastor G. Hebelu. They use uh, initials a lot in India because some of their names are so long it's difficult to pronounce. This guy is an IPHC church planter that I trained in Hyderabad, uh, India, a couple of years ago. This man is a part of an unreached people group called the Banjara people. This man has planted nine churches among his people group in two, uh, two years. Now, pu pull up the other picture. This guy in the middle, his name is Praveen Kumar. Now, this says nine. That nine should actually be 13 because this guy has planted 13 churches in two years. Now, listen to me. Whenever you think about national pastors or missionaries, don't think about somebody who is ignorant and unlearned. Many of these people have Bible college degrees. Some of them have university degrees. Some of them have advanced university degrees. And they are there without number. I'm telling you, I've, I've been among them. They are there without without number 
and they are waiting for somebody to come and train them and believe in them and challenge them and give them a bit of direction. Look at uh, this guy here on the left. His name is Wen Hong Kwong. He is a friend of mine. He is uh, a Vietnamese pastor. He has planted 200 churches. This man has been in prison seven times, one time for two years. I trained 120 of his workers, and they gave signed commitments to plant 1,700 new house churches in Vietnam. Can you say amen? See, these guys are amazing. Look at this other guy. This, this is a friend of mine in Cambodia. His name is Barnabas Mom. He is one of the greatest leaders I've ever met in any part of the world. This man has planted 1,000 churches in eight years. Hello? Did you hear what I said? In eight years through his organization, this man has planted 1,000 churches and reached 30,000 Buddhist people for Christ and has reached two new unreached people groups. Now, that's the reason I do what I do. I've been to uh, Cambodia many times helping this man train church planters. Okay, let, let's, uh, let's wind this down. What can I do? Okay, uh, granted, all that's true. How does this apply to me? Uh, go ahead and pull all of those up, Angela. I just want to say uh, there's one more there. I just want to talk about a couple of them there. One is that if we're going to finish the Great Commission, churches, local churches like Passion Church, need to catch the vision, and your pastor has caught the vision because I know that missions is in the DNA of this church. And if we're going to finish the Great Commission, we have got to have churches that catch this vision. We've got to have people that catch this vision. And what needs to happen with all of us is that we need to let God break our hearts. More than 50 years ago, Dr. Bob Pierce, founder of World Vision, prayed this prayer. He said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. If God would answer one prayer for me, for this church, and for you as an individual, I would ask God to break your heart. See, God's at work in our lives, and he wants to set us free from our selfishness, from our self-centeredness, and open our hearts to other people. And that's really my prayer for you this morning, that God would break your heart, that you would understand in some way the call of God that's upon you, and in some way respond to that. I mean, some of you may be missionaries. There is still a need for missionaries from the West. And God is still calling people like you. So there's a lot of things that can be done, but one of the keys is God breaking our hearts. Now, I want to finish by asking you for your help. 
In just a moment, Pastor Steve is going to give you an opportunity to give. And I want you to look at these. these again, these are pictures that I have taken of real people. People that have no hope apart from the gospel. And I want to ask you if you would help me to reach people like this for Christ. Pull up the next slide. I'll be leaving on January the 25th for another extended trip to India and Pakistan. And I need your help. I'd like to have your help in a couple of ways. Uh, number one, I'm asking God to give me a hundred churches across America that would give a hundred dollars a month to help reach those who have not heard. But uh, I'm going to be doing on this next trip three conferences in uh, India and uh, five in Pakistan. And I need your help. One of the conferences I'm going to do is in Lahore, Pakistan. It costs me $3,000 to train 100 workers. I can feed them, house them for two days, give them material in their own language, and give them 15 hours of training for $3,000. Would you help me do that? I need to train 100 workers in Lahore that will help get the gospel to those in Pakistan. Look at that. 80 million in Pakistan have never heard the gospel. That's not the population of Pakistan. Population of Pakistan is probably 150 million, but 80 million have never one time heard the gospel. Thousands of villages in Pakistan have no church at all. Would you help me by giving? If you can give today, and God lays it on your heart, whatever you give will go immediately for that conference to train a hundred national missionaries in Lahore, Pakistan. Just give as you can. Give as God has blessed you. There may be somebody here that could give the entire amount to fund that conference. But however God has blessed you, give in proportion to how you have been blessed. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this precious church. Thank you for creating Passion Church. Thank you for the precious people that are here this morning. Thank you for their heart for your kingdom. And Father, I do pray that you would break our hearts. Break them at a new level. Break our hearts at a new depth, not only for those who have not heard, but break our hearts over our family and our friends and our neighbors and our business associates in Oklahoma City who do not know Christ. Help us to understand the call of God that is upon us individually and corporately to reach the world for you. So may your blessing be upon this church in every way, Lord. As your people give, I ask you to multiply it back to them. Press down, shaken together, and running over, multiply it back to them. Thank you for their attention today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. What a mighty king. Amen. I taught you early on. You'll remember, those of you that have been with us a long time, when we were meeting across the street, one of the first things I taught you was that God never blesses us just for us. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 